you know, less than 2% of the population farm. So there's a lot of people that are, they're just curious about it. You know, they're not necessarily misinformed or anything. They just, they don't know about farming. And so I love to, to show what I'm doing every day. And social media has been a really great way to do that. You're listening to The Quick Cast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome into another episode of The Quick Cast, the official podcast of Quick Trip. My name is Chris Calloway. We are joined today by Becca Hilby. Good morning, Becca, and welcome to The Quick Cast. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. And let me see if I get this straight. You are a, a mother, a podcaster, a candle maker, a first-generation farmer, now primarily raising beef candle, but... Before that, managing a dairy, you're a quick trip ambassador and really seems just to be a Wisconsinite through and through. Is there is there anything missed there in your bio? I think that about sums it up. I'm sure I've got room for a couple more things, but those those will come. <laughs> and I'm sure as each day goes, kind of the priorities shift what you are one day over the over the next. But yep. what I want to talk about most here to start, since it is June, it's National Dairy Month, is your experience working in the dairy industry. Um, can you kind of tell us how you got started working with dairy, dairy cows, and um, kind of your your experience growing out of that? Yeah, of course. So I I did not grow up on a farm. Um, I don't have any families that, family members that farmed or anything like that. I joined 4-H when I was younger, and um, we had a farmer come to a meeting and was like, hey, you know, if anyone wants to show cows, come out to the farm. And I, I don't know what like made us say that, oh yeah, we should do that. Um, so we did, we went out to the farm and we started showing cows. Um, my very first year was, uh, I don't want to say it was awful, but it was, I had a, a heifer that was too big for me. It was a Holstein. And right before I went into the ring at the county fair, she stepped on my foot. So I'm like fighting back tears the whole time. It was, it was a disaster, but for whatever reason, we decided to stick with it. And the next year I had a little brown Swiss calf and that really just sparked my love of not only brown Swiss, but the dairy industry as a whole. So kind of growing up, I got more and more involved. I started helping out on the farm. Uh, I got more involved with like 4-H and FFA projects, um, like dairy bowl and dairy judging, all those kind of things. And then when it came time for college, I I just I love the dairy industry and I knew I wanted to stay in that. And so I went to UW Platteville and graduated in 2011 with an animal science degree with a dairy emphasis. And while I was in college, I started working on a farm in Platteville. Um, I started part time just kind of milking cows when I, you know, when my schedule allowed it and stuff. And when it came time to graduate, my boss was like, you know, what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, I have no idea. I mean, I want to dairy farm, but as a first generation farmer, you can't just go out and buy a dairy farm. I mean, sure. you know, maybe if you won the lottery or something or you had a really good bank lender, but it's expensive to start. And um, so my boss was grateful enough to uh, offer me a full time job on the farm um, I started raising all the calves on the farm. They had previously been sent to another farm to raise. So I took over the calf program and over the years was able to grow my own herd on the farm. And the dream had always been to start farming on our own, um, to maybe bring our cows home to the farm that my husband and I live on right now. But yeah, dreams change. You know, um, the dairy industry is a 
it's a beautiful industry, but it's also a very difficult industry to stay afloat in. And um, I think things just kind of shifted once we had kids and stuff and it just, it wasn't going to be like a reality of a dream, but I was still able to have my herd on the the dairy I was working on and it was, it was great. Um, and then this year things changed a little bit more. Uh, so I have three kids and as they get older, they're starting to get involved in more stuff. Um, my shift of where my head needed to be and where, you know, my heart needed to be, it was more towards the kids. And, um, I made the difficult decision to step away from the dairy. So I sold a lot of my cows. Um, I have a lot of the cows at our house now and, um, it's been really nice not waking up at 4am every day. (laughs) Um, I still miss it though, but I still, I'm still a part of the dairy industry in every way. Um, and I still love to advocate for it and stuff like that. So it's been a, it's been a difficult transition out of it, you know, not dairy farming full time, but like I said, my husband and I farm on our farm here. So I still have every aspect of it. I'm just a little less busy, which is nice. A lot to unpack there based off of your your kind of life experiences, but let's go back then to the start. So you got into 4-H and some of those types of things for education for kids and, and learning about the industry. Was this the only type of job that you ever saw yourself having or did you, you know, when people asked you when you were young, did you want to be a, an astronaut or, a you know, something like the rest of us would put on a, a on a sheet of paper when we're growing up? I wanted to be a vet. Okay. Um, for for a very long time. And then I got to freshman um, year of chemistry and quickly realized I was not going to become a vet. It was just uh, I would I was not going to make it through those science classes. So I would say I kind of got the second best thing because um, even though I'm not a vet, I still get to work with animals every day. And, um, you know, I got to help out our vet a lot on the dairy farm and stuff like that. So I, it's it's the best of both worlds. <laughs> So it's it's that love for animals that's been there for you your your entire life. Yeah. What is what is a nine to five? Oh, not not nine to five, but what is <laughs> what is your your a day in the life of uh, of of a dairy farmer like? I mean, can you kind of just give us the the, the highlights of dawn? Yeah, to sure. Dusk? So, um, you know, it depends on the farm, the size of the farm. But for me, I was the calf manager, so I started my day out um, at five o'clock, getting at the farm getting all the calves fed. Um, We fed them milk and then every day they get fresh grain and water. Um, Throughout the the weeks, there's different things that you need to do. Just um, keeping up on like vaccines and bedding and moving calves around, um, dealing with newborns. Every day is kind of the same, but every day is also very different just because you never know kind of what is going to happen. On our farm, the cows got milk three times a day. So they got milked at 4 a.m., noon, and 7.30 p.m. So that takes in a, you know, a whole another group of people that kind of care for that. The cows get fed fresh feed every day. Um, so that's another job that people did. Um, really, it takes so many people to, to make a farm move smoothly. And, um, you know, the hours can be, they can be different every day. Um, like I said, I started my day at five and depending on when I got done, just depended on what I needed to do for the day. Um, but it's, it's a selfless job. It, you know, it takes a lot of self-motivation and stuff to get up every day and take care of the cows. But at the same time, it's, it's such a great job to do. What is that connection you develop with those cows like over their lifetime? 
Cows have such funny personalities sometimes, especially the brown Swiss, which is why I love them so much. Um, it's just, you know, somewhat nothing to do with you. And then others, they just, they're always up in your business. Um, like my cow, Sassy, she's at our house now because she was one of those cows that when I stepped away from the dairy, I knew that I couldn't sell. Um, we received her as a wedding present when she was a baby and like everyone just loves Sassy. So, um, she's at our house now and she's just, she, I don't even know how to describe her. She is a pain in my butt, but she is just so fun to have around. She was actually um, out of her pen this morning. She was up by the house, uh, bellering into the house, walking around, eating grass and stuff. <laughs> and it took me forever to get her back because she knows that she's bigger than me. But um, you just, you get those special connections with certain cows and it's just, it's so fun to have them around. But at the end of the day too, you always have to remember that farming is a business. Um, so sometimes you have to say bye to those special cows and, um, you know, whether they get sick or if you have to sell them because they're not milking anymore, things like that. But I think it's just a mindset thing. Um, you know, that you have a certain job to do with them and you take the best care of them that you can while they're on the farm. How are you able to teach that to like your children to know that these are valued members of our family, basically, but they're not really a pet, but like that whole business side of thing. How are you able to kind of pass down that idea that these, these cows are important to us, but they may not be here forever. I'll let you know when I figure that out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For us now, we, we raise a lot of um, steers and we do direct to consumer um, beef sales so the the beef cows are not on our farm all that long you know it's usually around 18 months and they are ready for butcher so it, we're just we're very clear and open and honest with our kids about what I mean you know what we're doing you know they they know that once they get really big um, they're going to be made into meat and they ask questions but they've never they've never like been sad about it or anything like that. Um, I think just because we're, we're so honest and open with them. Sure. So are there any misconceptions you think that are out there about the, the dairy industry and some of the things that you try to address in your, in your podcast and your social media? And we'll get into that more later, but what are some of those misconceptions you think about the dairy industry that are out there? Oh, there's a lot of them. Um, a big one is the organic versus conventional, aspect. Um, and I won't get too much into it, but I just, I want to say both are safe. Both are antibiotic free, both, um, all fluid milk right now is free of added hormones, which is another big one. Um, BST was kind of a, a trigger wrote, wrote, Ooh, can't speak trigger word in the last few years. Um, but milk processing plants are just, they're done with it because they know that consumers are done with it. Um, so, a big thing is that people think that, you know, organic is, is healthier and it's just a way of raising animals. That's different. Um, all animals are taken care of. Well, the, the nutritional value of the milk is about the same. Um, and it's just, it's important to remember that any milk that you can buy is healthy and it's, it's nutritious and it's safe, um, to consume, you know, whether you buy whole milk or 1% conventional organic, chocolate white it's all got the same nutritional value and those 13 essential nutrients that you need 
Um, another big one is that cows are hooked to milkers like all day long. We're just constantly taking milk out of them. And that is also not true. Cows on average take about five to eight minutes to milk out. And um, so most farms milk between two and three times a day. So essentially they're not hooked up to a milker all day. You know, it's a very short period of time. Once they get milk, they go back to their barn, they're eating, they're drinking, they're laying down. Um, they're just resting. It's it's quite a nice life, actually. We've got fans in the barn, so they're staying cool. A lot of barns have misters to keep them cool. Um, and I, they've got a pretty good life. So they're in the milking machine, you know, 15 to 30 minutes a day. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, no. And, and then the rest of the time, yeah, they're just they're free to do what they please. That's the dream, really. <laughs> Working mm-hmm. half an hour a day. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So you've made then the shift um, working in the dairy industry kind of to the other side of the cattle industry in, in working with uh, the beef farming, like you had mentioned. And uh, you know, one of the things that I noticed is that uh, you mentioned that you're a first generation farmer. And I feel that that's maybe a little bit more uncommon that you don't see too many people going out and starting a farm. Uh, kind of the barrier to entry, like you mentioned, it is pretty high, but can you kind of give us the backstory on how Hillby Family Farms came to be? Sure. Yeah. So my husband would, he might technically be a second or third generation. Um, his dad used to dairy farm on the farm that we're at when he was younger. Um, and then they sold the cows when they were pretty young. So, I mean, we like to call ourselves first generation for the fact that we kind of had, we didn't have like an existing farm that we were um, just taking over the animals, you know, things like that. We really started from scratch here and we started off with um, actually bringing my brown Swiss bull calves home because uh, brown Swiss bull calves just aren't worth very much. Um, and so we started bringing them home and we finished a couple out and the beef was, it was so good. So that's kind of how we got into the direct to consumer marketing, um, aspect of it. And over the years, we've just ex- expanded a little bit more. Um, we raise a lot of bottle babies. So we get calves when they're a couple days old, um, and then we'll feed them milk until they're weaned. And then depending on the breed and our like space, um, that we have available. We sometimes sell them as feeder cattle. So we'll sell them around five to 600 pounds at a sale barn where they'll go to another farmer and they'll, they'll feed them out until they're at market weight. Um, and then we keep all the brown Swiss and a couple other random ones sometimes, and we'll feed those ones out ourselves until market weight. And then those will enter our beef program. Um, we also have pigs now. We, <laughs> We've raised out feeder pigs um, the past couple years, and this year my husband decided that we should get a boar, and we should, um, you know, just breed our guilt that we have left. And so we're expecting piglets in like a week or two, which is exciting and terrifying. Um, hopefully it goes well. Um, but we also have chickens, so we've got eggs. We have a couple goats that hang around. Um, we like to call ourselves a funny farm and. That's probably pretty true, but uh, the kids have fun. It's it's been a great way to to raise them so far, and every day something new. So, you start off with beef cattle, and you say, "Okay, we want to bring in some pigs." If it were me, I would go to Google and be like, "Okay, how to raise pigs?" But like, where does that 
you know, knowledge of, of how to raise a, a different species come from? I'm not going to lie. We did Google things. Um, Google is a really good, good place. Another place that is like full of information is YouTube. Sure. Um, we watched a lot of YouTube before we got pigs. Um, and then I also have a, um, a teacher from college that runs the swine facility at UW Platteville. Um, I've looked to her for a lot of, uh, information and advice, uh, when we need it. Uh, but yeah, it's honestly, it's like taking as much information as you can and then just do it. Um, it's pigs are kind of, they're turds. Um, our pigs were out this morning and they get out all the time. They're like, if, if they can push through something, they're going to. So I was joking with my husband, like I need to get a little electric fence, um, up because I'm tired of them getting out, but you just, you learn as you go. And I think that's half the fun of have the fun of farming sometimes. Sure. I can imagine. And then you get down to the end of it and you're looking to, you know, sell, you got to put food on your table, keep the lights on, and you're going to sell these. And uh, you do have a website, hillbyfamilyfarm.com and where you're looking to sell beef in bulk. How does that work? Is it mostly direct to consumer? How, how does that side of the industry work? It, so a lot of our beef sales, um, it just depends on the person if they can afford to buy in bulk. It's a better price if you buy in bulk, obviously, um, but it's an investment up front. And then it's also, you know, an investment because you have to have a big freezer and stuff like that. So we started out just doing that because of ease. Um, you pretty much just take the animal to the the locker plant and the people tell you what cuts they want and, and then you're done with it. Um, but we did notice that we had some um, customers that they didn't want to buy in bulk. They just wanted to buy, you know, a couple pounds of ground beef here and there. So um, the year before COVID actually is when I decided that um, we would maybe start doing like farmer's markets and I got licensed to sell by the cut and then COVID hit and I was like, wow, that isn't going to work out too well for me, but it was, it was a blessing in disguise. The farmer's market still happened and we really saw a rise in people wanting to support their local farmer because they couldn't always know that they were going to find meat at the grocery store. Like food was, that was weird in 2020 and mm -hmm. just the whole industry as a whole. So I think it helped us. Um, and now I do a couple farmer's markets, uh, a couple times a month and, um, we just slowly kind of built our customer base to be able to sell we do um pretty much every cut different kinds of steaks roasts we have like beef snack sticks summer sausage jerky a little bit of everything for you know anyone that wants it and um we've been really local or really um blessed to have like good local customers to continue to do what we're doing do you have a favorite cut or a favorite beef preparation Ooh, ribeye ribeyes okay. all the way that's my favorite we we do most of our um steaks on and roast on our smoker um so yeah anything on the smoker is good but ribeye is my personal favorite and then i feel like most families in wisconsin don't just have one fridge they got you know the one in the kitchen i have one downstairs for some beverages and then we have our freezer in the garage for stuff we buy in bulk what about you as a farmer how many fridges and freezers do you have at your oh house? gosh let's see we have the, we have one in the house and we actually have a big freezer in our house. And then we have 
um, a fridge in the barn. You know, you got to have beverages when you're feeding cows. Um, and then we have, I think, six freezers that we keep beef in. It's a lot. Our electric bill is a little high, but, oh, um, you know, maybe one day like a walk-in cooler would be nice, but at the same time, we just, they're pretty organized and they're easy to have, but yeah, we have a few more freezers than the average household, I think. I can certainly imagine. I didn't even think of the electric bill, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So um, many of the other things you do from podcasting to social media, to your work with the Wisconsin Beef Council, it seems that those just all stem from your, your passion and your desire to be an advocate for farming and agriculture and really all the things that make Wisconsin run. Uh, what made you want to peel back the curtain and kind of share your passion, your experiences on these different platforms? Oh, um, I don't know. I've just, I've always loved sharing. And I don't know if that's because maybe I didn't come from a farm. So like I was used to sharing um, my life with like friends and family that didn't know about it. Maybe that's how that started. But I started sharing on Instagram back in 2011, like after I graduated college um, farming can kind of, it can be isolating just because, you know, you're working all the time. You don't always have time to go out and like keep up with friends and stuff like that. So I started sharing on social media just as a way to stay connected with friends and family. Um, two, I grew up over by Milwaukee. So when I stayed in Platteville, you know, that's, I didn't get to see my, my family all that often. So it was nice to share. They could kind of see what I had been up to on the farm. And then over the years, it really just shifted, um, for sharing, I, I, I kind of went through a phase where I was trying to be educational online, um, but people don't want to necessarily be educated. Like sure. they don't want to know they're being educated. I think that's the best way to that's share fair. or to say it. So I really just kind of turned my mindset and just started sharing what I was doing every day, because like I said, every day is a little bit the same, but every day is totally different on the farm. And um, it's, you know, less than 2% of the population farm. So there's a lot of people that are they're just curious about it. You know, they're not necessarily misinformed or anything. They just, they don't know about farming. And so I love to, to show what I'm doing every day. And social media has been a really great way to do that and to kind of educate people and um, just let them know where their food comes from. And uh, also let them know that, you know, I'm a safe space that if they have questions about their food, I'm going to answer them. Honestly, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat things. Um, I share the good and the bad and, I don't know. I think people just, they want to know their farmer. They want to know that their food is being well, well raised. Right. Cause it's probably, it's just something the majority of us take for granted. We just mm -hmm. go to the grocery store and pick it up and don't think twice about it, but to know what it takes to get from A to Z to, to that point is, is certainly interesting to me. And you know, I was talking to our social media team here and they were saying that one of the reasons that you caught our eye working with Quick Trip back in 2019 was just that authenticity and that that passion that you had not only for your work but for Quick Trip as well. So um, we've been able to to partner. I see you uh, rocking our our merch in uh, a lot of our different photos and stuff like that. But just being able to be uh, work with us, you know, we're certainly appreciative of you. But you know, I think that's been a really natural, cool partnership here over the last couple of years, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's been incredible. I, like, I mean, the the fact that I get to be like, oh, yeah, I work with Kirk Trip, like I'm a brand ambassador. That itself is peak Wisconsin. It It is. It's so awesome. But I just I love everything that Quick Trip stands for. 
Um, and just the community of people that, you know, not only with your coworkers, but also with the, you know, the, the enthusiast groups on Facebook, it's like, what other, you know, convenience stores have that? Probably none, because I don't know if we're crazy or not, but Quick Trip is just, it's like a, a Midwest staple. And, um, I love being able to promote it and, and work with you guys. And it's for you, it's not like there's just a quick trip on the corner. You know, I drive past four or five of them on my way home. But for you, you got to go a little bit to get down the street to the, to the local quick trip. You know, being on a farm in a little bit more rural community, it's more of a of a destination than a yeah. you know, something you drive past, right? Yeah. So when I was um, working on the dairy, I went past quick trip every morning. So like, I get probably not in a good habit of stopping there every morning. I'd get my breakfast sandwich and a monster and off to the farm I'd go. So um, I think my habits are a little bit better now, but still, you know, every time we go somewhere, it's like, oh, let's stop at Quick Trip or um, the the ease of being able to pick up bread and bananas. And, you know, those just those staples of not wanting to go to like the big city to go to the grocery store and being able to stop at Quick Trip is is super nice. What is the big city near you? Um, either Platteville or Dubuque. Both are about okay. like 15, 20 minutes away. So okay. cool. Well, we yeah. got a quick star over there, but yeah, tell everybody it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I know. On that you, side know what I, you know, what's really confusing though, is there's a quick stop in Iowa too. Interesting. Which it shouldn't. Yeah. You should, you should probably get your legal team on that. Like that shouldn't be a, that shouldn't <laughs> be a name. But when I, the first time that I like kind of started going to Iowa, I wanted to go to to quick trip but i thought it was the quick stop and like i got in there and i'm like trying to use my quick trip card and it's not working and i'm like isn't this the same thing and then i realized it was it was not the same thing and it was it was quick star i needed <laughs> the mistake you only make once though right it was yeah because they had no food in there and i was like this can't be right <laughs> so you you've got to do a, a little other work as well i noticed on linkedin you were posting about uh, a program you did with the Wisconsin Beef Council and the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association. Can you tell us about that a little bit and how you got involved there? Yeah, sure. So um, it's their Leadership Institute, and we've had one event so far, and we actually have another one coming up this weekend. And basically, we are just kind of honing in our our skills of sharing about the beef industry and learning kind of how to talk better to consumers about it and like share better online. Um, some media training we've been doing. And it's just, it's been an incredible thing. The, the group of people that they have for this first group of the Leadership Institute is really awesome. We've got beef farmer farmers. There's a couple um, dairy farmers in the group. We have one person that's in the food service industry. So that's really awesome that he is choosing to learn more about beef um so that he can like pitch pitch our products to you know different restaurants and stuff like that so i'm really excited this weekend we are headed up back up to madison um and then we're going to partake in their they call it the summer tour where we'll kind of travel across southwest wisconsin visit different farms and kind of see how they operate and i'm i'm super excited for it it's a year long program so it should be a really good year and a lot of these connections you make a lot of these things you learn you're able to Talk more about on the podcast, right? Yeah. So my friend Amber and I, she is a cranberry grower and we started Forward Farming Podcast a few years ago. Um, it has been such a great outlet for us to talk farming and talk motherhood, all the things um, we are kind of going through together at the same time, which is really nice. But yeah, she reached out a couple of years ago and 
I don't know why I said yes, because I'm like, I, I don't podcast. I had, I didn't listen to podcasts at the time or anything like that, but I'm so glad that I said yes, um, because cranberries are the state fruit of Wisconsin and then milk is a state beverage. So it kind of just makes sense for a cranberry grower and a dairy farmer to get together and, and talk every week. And you guys, yeah, you do it weekly. That's, that's impressive. You're coming up with great guests. You got some great topics to get into and, you know, kudos to you guys for that. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's been fun. It's every now and then you're like, Oh, another episode to record, but for the most part, it's, it's been great. And yeah, having those guests is really exciting. Um, just to, to hear other people's perspectives on, you know, what they do in the, in the farming industry and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been a really great opportunity for us. Very cool. So now we're getting down to the end here. A couple of, uh, rapid fire questions for you. You, you are in the Southwest corner of the state. How tough is it having to be that close to Illinois? I don't really want to tell you how close I actually live to Illinois. Like it's probably a mile down the road that I get into Menominee. Um, We don't go there very often. Every now and then I'll go to Galena for something, but luckily, yeah, we just, we don't have to visit there often. So it's okay. Very good. Let's say you're stranded on a desert island and can only bring one quick trip food item with you. What are you bringing and why? Wow. Um, I'm going to bring cheesy breadsticks because if I'm going to die, at least I'll have cheesy breadsticks to, to be my last meal. What do you dip them in? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. No marinara, no ranch, no no. Okay. No, they just, they're perfection all by themselves. Okay. <laughs> There is an item on the roller grill with a controversial pronunciation. I'm not sure you're aware of the debate. <laughs> yep. uh, what what side are you on there in tornado versus tornado? I call it a tornado. Okay. I what think do you call it? To... You call I'm, it a tornado. I'm like an English you? grammar guy. And so like the word is tornado. There's a cyclone on it. But our food service director said he goes with tornado, so it's hard to go against what he says, but I think that will be... I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know for <laughs> sure. And then lastly, you need to go on the record here as sort of a, a voice of authority on the matter on, on all things dairy, but uh, brown cap or green cap? Brown cap all day. Brown uh-huh. cap. I mean, the fat is where all the good flavor is, right? Exactly. I mean, green cap is good. Like, I'll drink right. it. Don't get me wrong, but brown cap is superior. So how much chocolate milk do you guys go through at, at your house? Is it is it mostly the white milk that you're um, milking or do you do you mix in some chocolate for fun there? Um, yeah, the kids love chocolate milk. We we do mostly white milk when I'm feeling nice. I'll buy chocolate milk. But like when you bring chocolate milk into our house, that's all they want then. And it's like cup after cup. And I'm like, OK, we got to stop with the chocolate milk. So. We don't, you, we don't get it all the time. Have you gotten to taste any of those uh, seasonal flavors we have, like the Dreamsicle, the root beer milk, the mint milk? The mint milk, I really liked. I used that as coffee creamer for a while. Okay. Um, root beer milk, I haven't tried. I just, I'm not a huge, like, root beer float fan. I feel like that's what it would taste like. Um, and the Dreamsicle I tried, delicious. Um, I'm not, like, a huge flavored milk person, but... The the flavors that you guys have are always spot on. I'll give you that. Very nice. Well, I think we got some new ones coming out in fall. Mm. So we'll have mm. to check wanna, back to get your gear. Do you want to share what those are? Or is that top secret? Maybe after we're done recording. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So you, everything that you 
doing and promoting, you can you can find online uh, hillbyfamilyfarms.com. You're on Instagram, you're on LinkedIn, you've got the podcast. I mean, what else are we missing to promote there? Uh, we have a YouTube. I'm not super active on it anymore. It was like one video a week I was getting out and it's that's hard like to sure. to push that content now, but um I still like to post there a couple times a month. Um, but yeah, otherwise Instagram is probably my biggest thing. Facebook. Um, I have a TikTok. I don't really go on it. TikTok's not my thing. Um, yeah, I think that was about it though. Instagram is kind of my, my main one. Sure. It's the easiest and I feel. Yeah. It's, you know, you can put great content out there with stories and posts and mix it all. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all all the stuff is interesting and it's a great follow. So Becca Hilby. We greatly appreciate your time here on the quick cast this morning. Thank you for helping to talk to us about June Dairy Month, the farming industry in general, and uh, best of luck with everything moving on this summer. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Becca, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the quick cast. Hey, we'll see you next time.